talk to you about the 12 disciples, otherwise more specifically the 12 apostles. And uh, as we look at them, we're learning a number of things about them. They were a varied group. They had, uh, uh, sometimes we make them all polished and, and, and we get this image of them. But the reality of it is they were people just like you and me. And uh, so we're kind of looking at them very, in a very candid way, warts and all, and, and, and taking a good hard look at um, what, how they were like us in a number of ways. So we talked about uh, Peter uh, and the idea that uh, he was a work in progress. And that's okay. Some of us are, are like that. We talked about the idea of Andrew, who was somebody who was always bringing people to Jesus and, and encouraged ourselves that way. Jane was kind of a hothead who needed to learn to temper that a little bit with uh, some mercy. We talked about John, who was also somewhat of a hothead, but he was known more for his love than, uh, than that. And, and he had a great blend and a mixture of, of, of truth with love. Last week, we talked about Philip. Uh, and we're looking at them in groups of four. Uh, Philip is the leader of the second group. And we talked about the idea that Philip was a guy who follows Christ for all these years and comes to the end of it at the end of three years and still hasn't kind of got a clue. And he finally looks at Jesus and says, hey, look, if you show us the Father, then we'll believe you. And it was that idea that um, he kind of missed the whole big picture. And, uh, and it was important for, for him to gather it a little bit earlier. This morning, we're looking at a guy by the name of Nathaniel. Now, this gets a little complicated, so just hang on. Because if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Nathaniel is not mentioned as the 12 disciples. Um, but you see the name Bartholomew. When you get to the book of John, you see the name Nathan. The only time it's used is in the book of John, or, or Nathaniel. Uh, Nathaniel and Bartholomew are the same person. Okay? Uh, they, uh, one was just more of a, Bartholomew means son of Tholomew. So the idea was that he was known more by his dad than, than anything else. But John, when John talks about him, he gives us his name Nathaniel. So if you're looking at, at, at things in the disciples and it gets a little confusing for you, um, just to help you clear that up. Um, he is uh, from Cana of Galilee. Now, that's going to become important later in our story. Uh, Cana of Galilee is where Jesus performed his first miracle. Remember, he turns the water into wine at Cana of Galilee. Well, that's where Nathaniel was from. Uh, it's not too far away from Nazareth, and that's going to become important in a minute. Um, but he basically is a, is a disciple of Christ. We know very little about him uh, past his introduction that we're going to look at this morning in John chapter 1. Uh, that's where we basically learn everything about Nathaniel is in, in the first time he's introduced to us. And then, uh, but we do learn some, some important things. And then uh, historically what... Uh, he goes and ministers in a number of areas. Uh, Arminia is basically where he spends the most amount of time. Uh, he spends about 16 years there with a guy by the name of Thaddeus. And uh, tradition says that they were martyred. There's a little bit of debate. Some said that uh, he was crucified. Some say that he was put in a sack with rocks and thrown into the, uh, into the water. Uh, but the bottom line is, from, from what we know, uh, Nathaniel's one who continues on historically to follow Christ. Our story this morning is found in John chapter 1. We talked about it last week with Philip, but we didn't go through the whole story. So this morning we're going to go through the whole story and see what we can learn. So John chapter 1, uh, here's what it says. Now, the following day, this is after uh, Peter, James, and John had followed Jesus. He, Jesus said, follow me at, at, at John the Baptist, and they took off following him. And then the next day, 
Jesus goes to find uh, finds Philip, and he says to him, follow me. We talked about this last week. He comes to Philip, and uh, it's interesting because the other disciples sought Jesus. Jesus sought out Philip. So Jesus comes to Philip, who we talked about last week, and said, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, uh, the city of Andrew and Peter. And notice what Philip does. Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. And he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. We talked about this last week, but we want to park on this and and camp for a little bit um, this morning. Because we learned something very, very important about Philip right off the bat. When, when, or Nathaniel, when Philip comes to Nathaniel, it's interesting. One of the first things that he does is he said, hey, look, we found him. We found the Messiah. Now, apparently, Philip and Nathaniel had been talking about this. This was something they were both seeking. They both wanted to, to meet the Messiah. They both wanted to see the Messiah. And so they, Philip comes to Nathaniel. He goes, hey, you know, we found it. We found it. We found it. Um, some of you, I mean, you know that experience when you're, when you're looking for something, somebody comes in and goes, hey, we found it, we found it. It's, you know, everybody's like, oh, okay, great. That's kind of the idea. Philip comes in and goes, hey, Nathaniel, we found him, we found him, we know who he is. And, and, he, and he goes, his name is Jesus, and he's from Nazareth, and he's the son of Joseph. Now, that didn't mean anything to us. It meant a lot to Nathaniel. Because you see, Nathaniel was from Cana of Galilee. Cana of Galilee is very close to Nazareth, right, on a map. Nazareth is the big place. Cana of Galilee is the off-the-beaten-path place. So the modern-day analogy for us would be like climbing hill in Sioux City. You know, Sioux City is like the big city. All the stuff happens in Sioux City. You know, Mannheim Steamroller doesn't play in climbing hill. They go to Sioux City. Okay, why? All the big stuff happens in Sioux City. Well, that's kind of the way it was. All the big stuff was happening in Nazareth. Nazareth was a crossroads. Everybody traveled through Nazareth when they were traveling in that area. In order to get to Cana of Galilee, you had to go off the beaten path. Or go climbing hill, you kind of go off the beaten path a little bit. That's the idea. Nathaniel's from Cana of Galilee. Now, the, the, the irony here is that in this culture, there was, an, there was this prejudice against the Gentiles. So the Jews didn't like the Gentiles. They didn't like, they didn't like the Gentile people because they kind of looked at them as a, a mixed half-breed kind of thing. Uh, and they weren't truly Jewish, so they, they kind of didn't want anything to do with them. But the Gentiles were prejudiced against the people from Nazareth. It was like they didn't want anything to do with those people in Nazareth. They were kind of the, they were the shady kind of people. And when... When Philip comes to Nathaniel and says, hey, look, we found the Messiah. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. And his daddy is Joseph the carpenter. So apparently, Joseph's reputation had gotten down to Cana. And everybody knew, or at least Nathaniel knew, about this carpenter guy. And, and, and I don't want to blow up your Christmas scene, but carpenter deal was probably more a, a mason person. Uh, working with stone rather than working with wood, because uh, Nazareth, that was a big deal there. Um, but anyway, so he comes to him, he says, his, he's from Nazareth, and he's Joseph's son. And the first words out of Nathaniel's mouth are what? 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The first thing he does is trashes the place Jesus is from. It'd be, it, it, you know, it'd be like me going, you know, can anything good come out of Sioux City? You know, I mean, you know, it, it's like, well, wait a minute, I was, I was born and raised in Sioux City. It was, you know, it, it was that prejudice, and this is going to become important to us, it was that prejudice that Nathaniel had to go, it can't be the Messiah. If, if he's from Nazareth, forget it. There's just no way. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. I mean, it's Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of that place. Notice Philip's response. What's Philip's response? Come and see. Check it out for yourself. In other words, he doesn't argue with him. He doesn't debate him. He doesn't tell him all the reasons he's wrong. He doesn't tell him all the good things that have happened in Nazareth or all the good people that have come out of Nazareth. He just says, you know what, go check it out for yourself. So, and this is what we want to learn about Philip, or Nathaniel. What does Nathaniel do? Going on. Here's what the story says. Notice what happened. Uh, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him. And he said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Now, if Jesus is going to say something about you, this ain't bad. He looks at him and goes, There is an authentic, real, true, genuine Israelite. He is a straight-up guy. He is as good as they come for an Israelite. That's not bad to be said of you. And notice what Nathaniel said. How do you know me? In other words, basically here's what he's going. Are you just trying to butter me up? Just because you want me to follow you? You're just telling me what you think you want me to hear? Uh, in other words, this guy's so real and so authentic, he just looks at Jesus and goes, yeah, right. You're just trying to get on my good side. And notice what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, remember, they came to see Jesus. Jesus isn't there. And Jesus goes, you know what? Before Philip even came. Now, and so now think about this. If you're Nathaniel, you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. How did you know I was under a fig tree? See, in that culture, fig tree had this idea of peace. Often a house, one of the things that was nice is to have a fig tree planted close to the house, not just for the figs, but also for the shade. It's a smaller tree um, with, with branches that spread way out, so it provided shade. A lot of people, again, you know, we... You know, in our houses, what do we have? You know, if you want to relax, you go to your house. You go to your living room, you know, in your big easy chair with your big TV and all your stuff. That's what you call Well, back then, the house basically had two purposes. Sleep and maybe eat if it was a really nice house. Most of the eating was done outside. Some of the cooking was done. Most of the cooking was done outside of it could. Some of it was done inside. It wasn't a place where you went to relax. You relaxed. Outside, under the fig tree. You found shade during the day to cool off a little bit. So, Jesus says, when, when, before Philip even got to you, I know that you were under that fig tree. Now, if you're Nathaniel, you're going, whoa. What does this guy know? How does this guy know this? Because he wasn't there. And then he goes on. And, oh, 
No, no, no. Go back, guys. Yeah. And Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now, here's what you need to remember. Last week we talked about Philip. At the end of three years, Philip didn't get this. Nathaniel gets this on day one. On day one, he looks at him and goes, Rabbi, teacher, master, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. And then Jesus, this is, Jesus said unto him, because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? He said, you're believing in me just because I was able to tell you what you were doing before when I wasn't there? And you're that confident of who I am? And he goes on to say this. Most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, or he says, you will see greater things than these. And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us, but here's what a lot of Bible scholars believe. He was under the fig tree, reading scripture, studying Genesis chapter 28, where it talks about Jacob's ladder and the angels going up and down. And here's the thing. In that story, at the end of that story, Jacob says, God was here and I didn't know it. Nathaniel here is saying, you are God, and I recognize it. And Jesus, kind of piggybacking off of what a lot of people believe he was studying, looks at him and says, yeah, and you know the angels that were descending and ascending? It was really about me. And that's what you're seeing. And he was amazed. And so a lot of people tie those kind of stories together with Nathaniel. Um, and you know what? He's not mentioned anymore. This is it. Everything we know about him is right here. And you go, okay, so where are you going to go with this for us? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> first lesson I think you see in Nathaniel. I got two. Here's the first one. The thing that you see about Nathaniel is he didn't let his prejudice get in the way of God teaching him and using him. You see, he had some very strong biases and opinions about people from Nazareth. And he could have looked at Philip and said, you know what, if that guy's from Nazareth, if that's Jesus, if that's Joseph's son, I've done business with Joseph, and Joseph is crook, and I don't want anything to do with Joseph, and there's no way in the world I'm going to go see that guy. He could have looked at him and said, you know what, I know those people from Nazareth, and they're not worth the dynamite it would take to blow them up, so I'm, I don't care about going to see them, I don't want to see them, because those people from Nazareth aren't worth the salt. He could have said that. But he doesn't. And Philip could have stood there and argued with him about it, but he doesn't. What does he do? He says, Philip, or Nathaniel, you just come and check it out for yourself. Now, I think that is a huge lesson for us today. Because the reality of it is, you can sit here and tell me you're not prejudiced, but we all are. We all have biases. We all have things that, that trip our trigger. We all have things that we feel very strongly about. And when somebody comes along who feels just as strongly on the other side of the issue, we got problems. Um, and last week, you sit there and go, oh, no, 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 not me. Let's just talk about a few of them. Those of you who are Republicans. Have any biases about Democrats or independents? Those of you who are Democrats... Do you have any biases or, or prejudices against Republicans? 
Sure you do. Sure you do. Those of you who are baby boomers, got any prejudices or biases against the millennials or the generation X's? Got any preconceived ideas of what they're all like? Those of you who are generation X's and you're millennialists, you got any ideas about baby boomers and the greatest generation group? Got any ideas or biases about what you think about what about them? Uh, see, we have those things. Those of you who are evangelical Christians, got any biases about Muslims? Got any biases about people, maybe a Jehovah's Witnesses or people who are Roman Catholic? Got any biases and prejudices against them? See, see, we, it, it's a natural. We we have that. I understand that the reality of it is you're not going to change that because anything that you and I feel passionately about, we're going to feel passionately about. And anybody who doesn't feel the same way we do, we're going to try to convince them. I get that. That's just natural. Okay? That, you know, and, and for people to go, oh, you know, I'm not biased and I'm not prejudiced and I'm not... Oh, come on. You're not being, you're not being straight up. Okay? Because nature is that we have those kinds of things. Here's the thing. Nathaniel had those things. And Nathaniel was bold enough to actually tell us what his prejudice was. And he was prejudiced against anything that came out of Nazareth. But he didn't let his prejudice and bias get in the way of God teaching him and using things in his life. Nathaniel's life was changed because he was willing to be open enough to listen to what this guy from Nazareth had to say. He was willing to go and check it out for himself. I don't think necessarily he, because of Jesus, he turned around and went, okay, I accept everybody from Nazareth now. I, I think he, he spent his entire life with his bias. But you know what? He was willing to put his bias aside to listen and to hear. And I think that is a great lesson for us particularly where our culture is. I'm not saying you push away your, your, your conviction. I'm not saying you bury your, 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 the things that you feel strongly about. But when you feel so strongly about it that you won't listen, could you be hurting what God wants to do with you and through you? Um. I'm going to get really personal, but I, I, I want you to understand where the struggle is because I struggle here too. Um, I have some very strong feelings about where the Bible stands on the whole LGBT thing. I have Facebook friends who are very much pro-LGBT in, in some situations because family members are involved in that. And it is very difficult for me sometimes to read the things that they post. And it's everything that I can do to try to decide when I need to speak and when I don't need to speak. It's very difficult for me to decide when I need to private message them and when I just need to not. Because you see, part of it is, if I listen to what they have to say, there are some things that I can learn. And there are some opportunities that I can have that I'm not going to have if I do the easy thing, which the easy thing for me is no longer my friend. That's the easy thing. 
It means that everything that I read every day is encouraging and uplifting because I only have surrounded myself with people who are happy flowers in the garden of life. You know, that's the easy thing to do. The easy thing to do is to post and continually bam, 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 my belief, my belief, my belief, my belief, my belief. That's the easy thing to do. The hard thing to do is to discern when God wants me to speak and when God wants me to be quiet and, and earn enough credibility to be able to say something. I had that happen two weeks ago on a political thing. And I, have, I don't get into the political stuff much. But I have a friend that I went to high school with, and they had gone off the deep end on this election thing. And they were saying stuff that, you know, you start attacking the military, that's kind of one of my buttons. And, and I just posted some things, and I said, look, as a Christian, you don't have an option here. You pray for your leaders and you support them. That, that, that's Romans chapter 13. It would have been easy to just unfriend them and then I don't have to deal with them anymore. But, but my point is this. I wanted to be careful that my prejudices, my bias, my beliefs, my convictions, I'm open enough to be able to have a dialogue where I can have some input and I can have something. There may come a day that I have to draw that line. Um, and I got a couple people who, believe me, I'm like this close. But you know what struggle? You know what I struggle with? When I draw that line, how am I going to have influence anymore? How am I going to have an opportunity anymore? Because the bottom line is this: whatever they post is never going to change my mind. Now, if you haven't figured that out yet, okay, I've never met anybody yet who went, you know. I got on Facebook today, and I saw that, what do they call them, memes? What? Memes. What? Memes. 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 Okay. Okay. And I saw this meme, and it changed my whole outlook completely. Come on. You know? Um, but yet, it's not going to change me. But i got to be careful here. And you've got to be careful here, because sometimes your biases and prejudices keep you, can keep you from allowing God to work and use you in a great way. I give Nathaniel a lot of credit that even though he had some really strong biases and beliefs about people from Nazareth, he was willing to go check it out for himself. And, and I can't stress that enough. In our culture, if you haven't figured this out yet either, it's important. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Just because somebody said it doesn't mean that it's, that's, it's accurate. Um, you know, you've got to understand this. Why? Because we're in a world, folks, where, listen, we need to have a voice. And the only reason that, that they're going to listen to our voice is if they respect us and they know that we love and that we care. In this post where I, I, I basically said this to a high school kid that I graduated with, um, from Chicago, um, from an ethnic background. And um, one of the things that she posted is this. She said, I appreciate your comments. I know you're a good man. So all of her liberal friends who click on that, see, pastor, know that even though we completely disagree, she still respects me. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Being able to know when to speak, when to have influence, when not to. And, and I said it because you work with people all day long. 
that you have prejudices and biases. Look, those of you who came from a work ethic, a strong work ethic, let somebody come into your workplace who's lazy. You don't think you have prejudices and biases? It'll come out. It'll come out. Some of you want to bash certain generations because they aren't like your generation. Your generation, like my generation, was the most awesome generation in the world. And so now if they don't adopt the things that your generation adopts, then we have these categories. We throw them in. You know, and it's easy, for instance, it's easy for us to look at the millennials right now and go, you know, they're lazy, blah, 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 and not sit back and listen to them. When you sit back and listen to them, you know what you're going to hear them say? You're going to hear them say this. The money's not important to me. And the title's not important to me. Let me ask you something. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not saying a freeloader thing, but I'm going, you know what? I, don't, I, don't, I, can, I, I can live off $40,000. Why would I want to make $100,000? If I make $100,000, i got to put more time into work. If i got to put more time into work, that means I don't get to do the things that I want to do. For me, I want to focus on lifestyle, not title and money. Let me ask you something. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because, see, I deal with enough baby boomers who spent all of their time, energy, and effort on money, or, or on, the, on the salary, and on the title. And you know what they say to me? I wish you would have spent more time with my family. Because now my kids are gone, and I realize I was never there for them. There's things to learn from each other. And that's important for us to embrace and understand. And, and so one of the things I think you can learn from Nathaniel is this idea of don't allow your prejudices to keep God from working and doing something and using maybe something in your life that you don't think he would use. The second idea is this. We all grow at different rates. You've got Philip, who apparently Philip and Nathaniel were close. You've got Philip, who at the end of three years still doesn't get it and is struggling with it. And you've got Nathaniel, who gets it on day one. Two opposite polar extremes on, on these guys. Why? Is one more spiritual than the other? No, it's just everybody grows at different rates. Everybody grows at different paces. Everybody grows in different ways. And that's, that's what I see that's so important for us to understand as a church. we got people in here who, they get it right away. And they come to Christ, and boom, 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 and it all just falls right into place for them. And we got other people, they've been a Christian for 20, 30 years, they still struggle. One's not better than the other. We're all in this thing journeying together. We're all in this thing growing at different rates. So we have to be patient with one another, and we have to be able to cut each other a little bit of slack, and we have to be understanding, and and we have to sit back and go, you know what? Okay, maybe they didn't get it as quickly as I got it, but I trust God that one day they'll get it, and maybe I can be a part of that. Maybe I can help them. I'm not going to go in and tell them what they need to do. I'm just going to pray for them. I'm going to be their friend. I'm going to love them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to let God use me maybe to be a testimony and impact to them. And allow God to use you that way. And I think so many times we get into this thing where we think it's our job to fix somebody or it's our job to change somebody. 
You know, that's what I deal with a lot in marriage counseling with couples. I say, look, you've got enough problems worrying about you. You let God take care of your spouse. You know, you, you know I, in my world, you know what? I, I love my wife to death. But you know what? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't list five things that she needs to change. You know why? Because I'm working on the ten things I need to change. I don't have a lot of time to sit down with her and go, okay, honey, now this is what I need to see you do. First of all, I'd have a whole lot more stitches than just by hand. Uh, you know, why? Because it's a, it's a thing where I'm going to work on me. I want to be the best husband I can be. And that's a full-time job. That's a full-time job. But I have to realize that my, even my wife, my kids, they grow at different, we, we all grow at different rates spiritually. We're all different places spiritually. And we've got to be able to understand that. And that's what you see in Nathaniel. Nathaniel gets it day one. Day one. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, you, were, I, you know what? Even before Philip came to you, I saw you sitting underneath the, underneath the fig tree. And Nathaniel goes, that's enough for me. I'm all in. You're Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're my rabbi. I'm all in. I'm following you. We're done. Let's just go on from here. And Jesus looks at him and goes, look, buddy, if that's all it took for you, if you were a believer after that, Oh, man, you are going to have an incredible ride. Because you're going to see stuff that just boggles your mind. If you think I'm God now, you just wait till this party gets started. And you're, you're just going to walk away amazed at what I can do. And for some of you, they're struggling right now, and you're beating yourself up, and it's not worth it. We're all growing at different rates, and that's okay. The key is that we're growing. And the key is that we're learning more today and getting closer to Christ than we were last week, last month, last year, last decade, whatever. Step by step, day by day, allowing God to use us. And you'll be amazed at what he can do. And for some of you, it may come really quick, and that's great. And for some of you, you might struggle for a really long time. You know what? That's great, too, because we're all wired different, and it's okay. It's okay. And for some of you, you're so frustrated because it's like, I wish my spouse would get it. I wish my spouse would get it. Look, just worry about you. Okay? You, you just worry about you getting what you need to get. Let God work in life your spouse. You know? Because I imagine I imagine Nathaniel is kind of like, Philip, you still? Come, really, Philip? I mean, come on. It's been three years. You know? I got it three years ago. I figured it out three years ago. You walk in three years, you've seen all these miracles, and you still want to see the father? It could have been really easy for Nathaniel to get all bent out of shape over it. I don't think he did. I really don't. We want to read about any of his discussion. And when Jesus looks at him and goes, you're the most authentic, real Israelite I've seen? That's awesome. That's even before he became a believer. You know? Why? Because, and this is what I think was important, he was real. He was authentic. You know what the world wants? They want people who are real and authentic. They're tired of fake and phony people. They're tired of people who say this and then go do something else. We don't need to be those people. We don't need to be those people. We need to be people where they see our struggles and flaws and everything else, and, they let, and we let them know that, you know what, we are a work in progress, and that's okay. Because God, God is at work. And, um, you know, that's what you see in the life of Nathaniel. So I end it with this. Nathaniel's life reminds us the danger of prejudice. 
Fortunately, he didn't allow his preconceived ideas to hinder God working in his life. We've got to strive to do the same. We also have to realize that we all grow at different rates in our Christian walk. So we've got to be patient with one another, and we've got to allow God room to work and us room to grow. Let's pray. Lord, help us. It's so easy, Lord, sometimes to get frustrated and think that we're not getting it fast enough. But, Lord, some of us will and some of us won't. Lord, it's so easy sometimes to feel so passionate and so strongly about something that, Lord, we exclude and push away a large group of people who desperately need to hear what we have to offer. So, Lord, just help us to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, in knowing how to navigate those things. Lord, give us wisdom and insight to know when to say something and when to be quiet. Lord, help us to build bridges that allow us the opportunity to, to be heard. And Lord, when it is all said and done, may people see Christ in us, and may you use us, Lord, we don't, we don't want to compromise what we believe. We don't want to minimalize what we believe. But, Lord, at the same token, we don't want uh, the way that we present you uh, to be offensive, Lord. So, so help us. And uh, guide us and use us. And, and, Lord, when it is all said and done, may you be honored and glorified in our lives. These things we ask in your name. Amen.